Temptation. What comes to mind when I say that word? And what place in our city would you most associate with it? For some, it might be the donut shop on Atlanta Highway. You know, the one with the hot now sign. For others, it might be a bar, a nightclub, a drug house. Things that appeal to the needs and desires of our physical bodies. The scripture says that Jesus understood what those kinds of temptations were like. In Matthew chapter 4, we read, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. But temptation comes in many forms, some of them much more respectable, sometimes even from the highest places of power and privilege, the towers of the city. We get tempted to do things, say things, or present ourselves in a way that we earn fame or status or acceptance from others who are in that elusive inner circle. Matthew continues, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand in the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Perhaps the most subtle way that we are tempted is with power, the desire to be in control, to dictate our own will, all of which is so wrapped up in money and our culture and how we pursue wealth. Ultimately for Jesus, it comes down to a choice between kingdoms. We read, Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him bread in the wilderness, prestige on the tops of towers, power in the kingdoms of this world, all temptations that Jesus overcame, and all right here around us too. How will we respond? Good morning. Thank you so much for being here this morning, especially if you're a guest with us. If this is your first time, uh, we hope you feel very welcome. Thank you also for all of you who are watching online and on television, uh, especially if this is your first time to tune in. Thank you so much for being with us. For those of you who are in the room, would you please help me make welcome our online and television audience. Thank you. As we are going throughout this sermon series, one of the things that every week we're reminding ourselves of is that the kingdom of God is so much bigger than just this local church. We believe that God is on the move. He is doing amazing things throughout our land, throughout this earth, throughout our city, and throughout the river region. And that's why we're praying for another local church as we go throughout this series in Matthew. And this morning, we're going to pray uh, for Pastor Scotty McKnight and the Grace Point Church of Christ. What a wonderful church. What a wonderful church. And so as we pray uh, to prepare our hearts for the message this morning, let's lift them up as well. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much because you are so good. And right here, right now, you are in this room. And Lord, I, I agree with Pastor Neil, and we pray for all of those 
who've been affected by this virus. Lord, we pray that your healing hand would move and that you would touch in powerful ways. And Lord, right now we lift up Scotty McKnight and Grace Point Church of Christ. Lord, we pray your blessings on them. Lord, we pray that you would bless their members, that you would be with them, keep them safe and protect them. Lord, we pray you would bless their leadership. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would inspire their minds, help them discern your will as they are navigating these days. And Lord, we pray for Scotty and just pray you would wrap your arms around him. He would fill them each and every day and that you would protect him and his family in powerful ways. And Lord, right here, right now, we ask that you would speak to us. As we come to open your word once again, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Would your kingdom come? at Fraser, just as it is in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Have you ever felt like you were living in a wilderness? You ever felt like you were living in one of those places that was completely uncomfortable? That's really what the wilderness is, isn't it? It's a place where we find ourselves in life from time to time, in seasons in life. We've all been there in some way or another. And it's, it is so uncomfortable. Not only is it uncomfortable, the wilderness is a place where there's a lot of uncertainty. A lot of uncertainty. Not only that, the wilderness is a place where there are unpredictable dangers. You don't even know what's coming around the corner. You don't even know what tomorrow will hold. The truth is we've all been in one of those places in life that we would describe as a wilderness season. For some of you, it was a period of your life. For some of you, uh, it was maybe a job that you worked in for a period of time. And, and some of them are short, some of them are a little longer. But we've all been there in one way or another. The wilderness, though, is not just a place where it's uncomfortable and there's uncertainty and unpredictable dangers around the corner. The wilderness is a place of temptation. And those temptations come from within, and they come from outside. Sometimes the temptations that we have on the inside is, is that we want to take control of what's going on. We want to get some control in our life. When other things are going out of control, we want to bring things, at least some things that we can, into order. Or when we find ourselves in one of those wilderness seasons, the temptation is to trust only ourselves and not put our trust in anyone else, not put our trust in God or the people that God has placed around us. But sometimes the temptations that we face, they don't arise from within us, as the book of James talks about. Sometimes the temptations come from the outside. Now, whenever we're going through these seasons of life where we're experiencing temptation coming our way, there are five things I want you to remember. I want to tell you what temptation is not. If you would, write these five things down if you'd like to. They will not appear on the screen. But first of all, temptation, we need to remember, is not a sin. Temptation is not a sin. If temptation, being tempted, was a sin... Uh, then Jesus was a sinner. A way that because the temptation is coming our way, maybe God is upset with us in some way or displeased with us in some way. That is not true. That is not true. Again, the Father was always pleased with the Son, and a lot of temptation came His way. Number three, though, is that we have to remember that is, temptation is not just something we fall into. A lot of times we use that language in life. We say, well, you know, it just kind of fell into temptation. No, T temptation is not sporadic. It is strategic. There is a very real enemy that is roaming this planet like a roaring lion. Not only that, not only that, we all have a sinful nature. And there are desires within us that entice us and drag us away. Again, that's the teaching of James. 
And, and so sin and temptation is very strategic in our lives, very strategic. But number four is this, is that temptation is not going away. It's not going away. Sometimes we think that there's this magical place that we get to in life, this magical place of maturity, and we think we will not have to deal with temptation anymore. That is not true. Until the Lord Jesus Christ returns, which I believe he will, or until we go to be with him before his return, outside of those two things happening, we will always have to face temptation in life. The fifth thing, though, is this. We need to remember is that God does not tempt us. Temptation does not come from God. Now, if you go over to the book of James, in James chapter 3, verse 13, James writes and he says, And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. One of the things we have to keep in mind is that God is not the one, he's not the author of the temptation that comes into our life. But, but... Sometimes, sometimes, God will allow Satan's temptation to come into our life, and he will use it as a test for our good. Sometimes, God will allow Satan's temptation to come into our life, and he will use it as a test for our good. I believe this is what we see in Matthew chapter 4 the text that was just read for us on the screen. Let's walk through that text. If you have a Bible, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. It starts and it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Notice, Jesus is led by the Spirit. He's not led by the devil. Notice that. Not led by the devil. Led by the Spirit. He's led by the Spirit into this moment. And, And Jesus being led by the Spirit in this way teaches us something about how the Spirit works. And that is that the Holy Spirit will many times lead us into places that are uncomfortable. Now, I know you don't want to hear that. I don't even want to say that. (laughs) But it's true. The Holy Spirit will lead you into places that are absolutely uncomfortable sometimes. Uncomfortable situations. Matter of fact, one of the ways that you can tell whether or not you're walking in step with the Spirit is to ask yourself, has He ever led me into some place or situation that is a little bit uncomfortable to me? Has He led me into a place of vulnerability, of uncertainty, where I have to really trust Him whenever I'm in that place? You see, whenever we find ourselves being led by the Spirit into places that we find uncomfortable, this is a very good thing. Because number one, it's sanctifying for us. Whenever we go into those moments of life of of uncertainty, those moments of wilderness seasons in our life, and we come out the other end, these are some of the points in life in which we grow the most, and we're molded more and more into the image of Christ. Not just in the moments of comfort, not just in the moments of blessing, but even in those moments of confusion, those moments of uncertainty, those moments when life gets hard, when it feels like, again, we're living in a wilderness season. So many times God uses those moments to mold us into the image of Christ. And so many times we as Christians spend our lives trying to avoid things that are uncomfortable or to avoid people who make us uncomfortable. But it's in those moments God does some of his greatest work. So it's not only sanctifying, number two, it's revealing. Whenever the Spirit leads us into those moments in life that are a bit uncomfortable, a bit unpredictable, a bit uncertain, 
those reveal a lot about us. And they show us where we, where we really are. Some people do not like this idea of God testing us. I'm sorry. That's about all I have for you. I'm sorry. But remember, the test, the test is more for the student, not the teacher. The test lets the student know where they are. It lets them know how much they've learned on this journey that they're on. The test is a good thing. And God will take Satan's temptation. He will let us be tested in those moments. But it is ultimately for our good, just as it was for Jesus on this day. I remember one time, I really felt the Lord lead me to take a particular job. And I took the job. And it's like day three of getting into the job. You realize, oh, this is not what I expected. Right? This is not going exactly how I thought it was going to go. Now, at that moment, and as I lived through that season, it, it was like living in a wilderness. It was like a dry, barren desert. It was hard, one of the toughest periods of my life. However, today, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything in the world. That experience taught me a lot about who God is. That experience taught me a lot about myself. And it taught me a lot about ministry, ministry to people. And so there are these moments we get into life and we think, uh-oh, maybe I did not hear the Lord or maybe the Lord's, you know, got this wrong in some way or I got this wrong in some way. And it could simply be one of these moments that's sanctifying for us and revealing for us. And it could be a test and that is a beautiful thing. The text goes on and it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2. After 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. If you don't know this, if you fast for 40 days and 40 nights, the end result is you're hungry. So he was hungry. Verse 3, that was a joke. Are y'all okay? Okay, okay. Just saying, just saying. Verse 3, during that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm going to call this the provision test. The provision test. Notice that Satan targets what looks like a point of weakness in Jesus' life. And Satan loves to do this. Satan targeted what looked like a place of depletedness in Jesus' life. But actually, this place that looks weak, Jesus is hungry, is actually a place of strength because he's been fasting and spending time with the Lord, which actually makes him stronger in this moment in many ways, not weaker. And then notice, after the temptation comes, Jesus quotes Scripture, which is our greatest weapon, and he says, he says to us that we cannot live by physical appetites alone. This is so important for us. Especially when we're in those wilderness moments in life. Especially when life is hard. Especially when life is uncomfortable. Especially when there's a lot of uncertainty going on in our lives. We cannot live by simply our physical appetites alone. In fact, if we follow just our physical appetites in life, it's going to get us into a whole lot of trouble, right? There is a spiritual nourishment that we need and that we need to possess. We need to walk in. We need to have access to. There's a connection we need to have with God, especially in those wilderness seasons of life. I, I knew a woman several years ago. She was from South Korea. She came over here with her husband. They had one small child. And uh, after they got over here, her husband got a job. They got settled into a house. And then one day her husband just left her. 
just left her. She had no job, spoke very little English. She had no idea what she was going to do, but she started praying. She started praying. A couple of days later, uh, when the pantries are getting a little bare and the refrigerator is getting a little low, she's still praying and she's saying, God, I need you. I need you to provide I need you to provide. I need you to help me know what to do to get out of this season. What she didn't know that was that down the street, there was a man at a prayer meeting saying, Lord, use me however you see fit. Have you ever prayed that prayer before? God, just use me however you see fit. As he was praying that in that prayer meeting, he heard the Lord speak to him and say, I want you to go get groceries and I want you to take it to this particular house. And so he said, Lord, that sounds crazy. Use me however you see fit. Just any other way but that way. That just sounds, that, that can't be God. And sure enough, that's what he felt the Lord tell him to do. And so he went and got groceries and he went over to the house and he thought, I don't even know who lives here. This is crazy to me. So, so what he did was he put the groceries on the doorstep and he rang the doorbell and he walked off. <laughs> A couple of days later, the Lord told him to do the same thing. Get groceries, take it to this particular house. And he thought, okay, I'm going to have to tell these people who I am. They probably don't even need food, to be honest with you, but I'm going to tell them. He, he, he got the groceries, he went back to the house, he pushed the doorbell, and there stood that woman who had been praying, Lord, I need you to provide. I believe that happened over three decades ago. And that, those two people, the one who was praying the prayer, the lady from South Korea, and the man who was the answer to the prayer who brought the groceries, they're still married to this day. It's amazing what happens when we really believe that God is the one that provides for us, not us. And especially in those wilderness moments, we need to remember that. And not just try to fix things and make things happen ourselves. Amen? The second test, the first one's called the provision test. The second test, I'm going to call the protection test. We see it in verse 5. It says, Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem to the highest point on the temple, and said to him, if you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, this is Satan quoting scripture, by the way, the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you, there's the word, protect you, and he will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Again, the first test was a provision test. The second test we see here is the protection test. Again, notice Satan's getting a little smart. Now he's quoting scripture. Jesus comes back and quotes scripture back to him in context this time. And what Jesus teaches us is that faith is about trusting God, not testing God. Faith is about trusting God, not testing God. There is a world of difference between trusting God in obedience and testing God out of curiosity. There's a world of difference between trusting God in obedience and testing God out of selfishness. So many times, we don't want to say it out loud because it makes us look like we don't have any faith, but that's actually what it is sometimes. So many times, we spend our life trying to get God to prove to us that he's actually there. It's like the young man I heard of who just kept praying over and over, God, show yourself to me. If you're really real, show yourself. If you're real, show yourself. He prayed this for several, several days. If you're real, show yourself to me. And finally, God spoke to him and said, why are you praying to someone you don't believe in? (laughs) See, what God wants from us is to trust him in these moments, that he is the one that provides for us, that he is the one that protects us. Not try to put God to the test to prove something to yourself. The third test that we see Jesus enter into. I call this the praise test. Verse 7. 
or verse 8. It says, Next the devil took him to a peak on a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world. Notice that. Jesus is about bringing the kingdom of heaven here, and all of a sudden now Satan's given him alternative kingdoms, the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Jesus responds, get out of here, Satan, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Right here we see one of the tricks of the enemy, and it is that Satan loves to make promises about earthly kingdoms, earthly wealth, earthly power, but in order for you to get it, he wants you to forfeit your eternal praise in an everlasting kingdom. What Satan loves to do is to divert our attention away from the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. The mission of Jesus Christ, he wants to divert our attention away from that or blind us from it so that we get our eyes on something else. That's why Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. He says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. What is, the, what is the result of that? He tells us, they are unable to see the glorious light of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. And this is what Satan tries to do. He tries to give us alternative kingdoms that we can live in and have if we simply forfeit the one Christ is bringing to the earth. What Jesus teaches us here, though, is very important. It is that our ultimate purpose in life, our ultimate purpose, he quotes it, is to worship the Lord your God and to serve him only. Worship him and serve him only. Just a few minutes ago, Pastor Neil mentioned uh, the serve cards that we have uh, that are available to you. We're going to take those up in a couple of weeks. Uh, one of the things we're very aware of around here is that the normal avenues in which we have served in the past, some of them are not available to us right now in the midst of the pandemic. And so we've adjusted because we know that serving God is still something that God is calling each and every one of us to do, even if it looks a little different right now. Are you with me there? Same thing with worship. Worship looks very different today than it did a year ago. It really does. But the call is not to do worship in a particular way, but to worship the one true God. And so we're going to do that, whether that's in this room or whether that's at home in your living room. It may look different, but we're called to worship him and serve him no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's going on in our life. And this Jesus teaches us once again right here, right now. Now, what Jesus does here is Jesus succeeds in these three temptations or these three tests. He succeeds where Israel failed. If you go back to Numbers 11 and other places in Deuteronomy, you see that Israel in their wilderness experience, they failed these three tests. But Jesus lived them out perfectly, perfectly. And then notice the result in verse 11. The result was that the devil went away. The devil went away and angels came and tended to Jesus. Now, I really believe that Satan cannot stand, he cannot stand to be in the presence of obedience. He cannot stand to be in the presence of faithfulness. I really believe that. And I also believe that God always provides a way for us to endure whatever it is we're going through. When we find ourselves in those wilderness seasons of life, 
those places where it's uncomfortable and uncertain. God always provides a way through that season and ultimately out of that season. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, Paul writes and he says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. I want you to hear that. The temptation that you face in your life, it's no different than what anybody else experiences. It may manifest itself differently to you, but we all go through the same kinds of temptations. He says, the temptations in your life are no different than what others experience, and God is faithful. God is faithful in the midst of every single one of them, he says. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. He always brings us ultimately to a place where he shows us the way out and he helps us endure it along the way. And it's in these moments in life, these wilderness seasons, when the pressure is on in life and things are tough and things are hard, it's in in these moments when we feel this pressure, that is when we really come to know who we trust for our provision, who we trust to protect us, and who and what it is we really and truly praise. What I love about this story is that the very next thing we see is that Jesus moves. He hears about John the Baptist being arrested in verse 12. He left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went to Nazareth first, and then he moved to Capernaum. And then at this point in Jesus' life, he begins, officially begins public ministry. And he begins with this message. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Same message as John the Baptist. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. What Jesus began doing at this moment was telling people that you can now come in. But here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. Notice that after Jesus went through this testing in the wilderness and he came out on the other side, that's when he began his ministry. The point I want you to see is this. When you know who you are, when you've been tested and you know who you are, that's when you know your message. That's when you know what you stand for. You see, these three tests that Jesus endured on this day, they were identity tests. They were not just about bread and divine bungee cords. These were identity tests. What what was it Satan kept saying to him? If you are the Son of God, bread. If you are the Son of God, jump. Right? And then the last one was about idolatry. If you are the Son of God, what was the last thing Jesus heard from the Father? What happened at the end of chapter 3 of Matthew? Jesus' baptism. The last thing Jesus heard from the Father was, This is my Son, I love Him, and I am pleased with Him. I delight in Him. That was the very last thing He heard. The very first thing that Satan began tempting Jesus with was his identity as the Son of God. So many times Satan loves to come into those places and say, did God really say? Does that sound familiar, Genesis 3? Did God really say that to you? Did he really mean that for you? Jesus went through this test, this identity test, and that's when he began preaching. That's when this message solidified in him. And his message then to them, 
is his message to us today. You can repent now. Repent means to turn, metanoia. You can turn now. One thing is being joined to another. That's what it means. The kingdom of heaven is at hand, or the kingdom of heaven has come near. One thing is being joined to another. The kingdom of heaven is now being joined to the kingdom of this earth, and the kingdom of heaven is going to win, and you can be a part of it. You can turn in your life and turn to God and be a part of what he is doing here. I love Isaiah 28, verse 16. 700 years before Jesus ever made it to the planet, Isaiah wrote these words. He said, therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem. At least one of Jesus' tests was in Jerusalem. It's mentioned, right? I'm placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem, a firm and tested stone. It's firm and it has been tested It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. You can build your life on this one, he says. It is a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. And then he says this, whoever believes need never be shaken. Whoever believes need never be shaken. I I love that word, be shaken. It means you will not be disappointed. You will not be disappointed. God has placed a foundation in Jerusalem. That foundation stone has been tested. That is the Lord Jesus himself. Not only that is a precious cornerstone, and you can build your life on it, and if you will build your life on him, you'll never be disappointed. Never be disappointed. I really believe for the kingdom to come on earth as in heaven, I believe that we have to embrace, embrace those wilderness seasons in life. Let them be sanctifying for us. Let them be revealing, showing us once again that, no, I trust God for my provision. I trust God for my protection. I am the one. I praise Him and Him alone, and I'm not going to praise anyone else. We have to embrace those wilderness seasons in life by constantly turning to God. That's repentance. And in so doing, remember that on the other side of the battle, there's always blessing. There's always blessing. So many times we spend our lives trying to avoid the battle, trying to avoid conflict, trying to avoid hard places and hard times and hard situations. And because we try to avoid the battle, we miss the blessing. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you. I thank you that even in the Wilderness seasons of life, no matter how hard life gets along the way, you are right there with us every step of the way. And Lord, I even thank you for those tough seasons, those seasons when you mold us and make us more into the image of your Son, those seasons where you show us really where we are in our relationship with you and growth on our journey. And Lord, I thank you that the wilderness seasons make us stronger. Lord, may we not live our lives trying to avoid the battle, the battles of life, and miss the blessing. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' good and powerful name, and everybody said,